Come to this happy place. Welcome. Hi ho, hi ho. It is off to the happiest place on earth we go. I am Peyton Payne, your magical express driver into the wonderful world of Walt Disney, but I am not taking you in alone. No, with me, as always, the co-host with the most knowledge on everything Disney, Tina Fey super critic, Mr. Dion Freeman. Oh, wow, okay, I see you, um, all right, yeah, um, not, not too much, uh, but you know what, all right, let's just, let's just get into it, because I don't know what to say. Am I wrong? Uh, No, but you didn't have to. Well, then, there you go. What if Tina's listening? Well, then she knows that you are a follower of hers. (sighs) Yeah, okay. (laughs) Okay, Uh, let's dive right into the news, all you space rangers and princesses. All right, so up first... Tokyo Disney, Peyton, has just opened up Ariel's Playground. It is a beautiful uh, set of Atlantis, a beautiful castle. You can go in it, see Prince Eric's statue, and it looks very uh, appealing, honestly. But um, how do you feel about it? The look is appealing. Mm -hmm. The name is not. I agree. (laughs) I am not a fan of the name Ariel's Playground. The look, and if you haven't, I'll post a picture of it on uh, the imagine that social media pages, the look of this place of Ariel's playground in Tokyo, Disney is amazing. Oh, it yeah. is. I saw the picture and at first I thought it was like a drawing, like a piece of art. And then mm-hmm. you were like, no, that's the real thing is. And it blew my mind. It was that beautiful looking. And then I learned it was called Ariel's playground and it took it down a couple notches. I just, there's so many better names that they could have come up with. I mean, you could have called it Atlantis. Mm-hmm. You could have called it under the sea. Yep. I mean, there's so many better names for it than Ariel's playground. And I mean, name aside, you know, the name's whatever, but if I had to, if I had to be a critic on something, that's what I would critique. But other than that, the look of it is stunning. Yeah, no, I understand where you're coming from, too. For example, like if we were to ever experience it and see it and I was to come up to you and say, hey, let's go to Ariel's Playground. Would you have an interest at all going until you saw it, of course? Or would you be more interested if I was like, let's go check out this under the sea or let's go look at Atlantis, you know? Yeah, no, if if I didn't know what I was getting into at first, I would think it's some sort of kitty land mm-hmm. or something along those lines. Yeah. Um, but knowing it, I would, I would love to experience it. If I ever get the opportunity to go to Tokyo Disney, I think that that would be a very cool thing to experience. So, uh, speaking of Tokyo, I was, I was holding this for you. 
there is an update that literally got to me about 10 minutes ago. Uh, they just broke ground for the Zootopia land that they are uh, constructing. Zootopia land will be up and running by 2023 at Tokyo Disney. Uh, it's a whole land of experiencing uh, Zootopia and a lot of the characters will be in it from uh, Judy Hopp to uh, the sneaky fox we all know and love to uh, Flash himself, the sloth. You get to meet and greet characters and it looks awesome. It's a whole entire land, kind of like uh, Galaxy's Edge a little bit, but Zootopia version, really. You see, now this one is going to be interesting to me because I kind of want to know how they're going to do it. Um I know what it'll look like. It'll look like Zootopia. Yeah. But as far as like workers and stuff go, or is is all the workers going to be walking around in big animal outfits? Is it going to be robotics? Like, what are they going? How are they going to do it? Yeah, like animatronic. Yeah, you got a good point there. You know, or is it going to be all just in big costumes? Or, I mean, I don't know if they've given any information on the actual aesthetics of what will be happening in Zootopia. Right, and you would think there'd be at least, what, one to three rides and a couple restaurants? Usually, every time they build a new land, it's always one or two rides with a restaurant, mm -hmm. at least. Um, now, my question is, if Zootopia is a success, will they inevitably bring Zootopia to Disney's Animal Kingdom in Walt Disney World? Because I mentioned this to you a couple days ago. I personally feel like they do these lands and these rides at other Disney parks around the world as a testing ground before bringing them to Walt Disney World, which is, you know, the big stage. So something like Zootopia... I really feel like would fit into Animal Kingdom, but I'm wondering, do you think they'll ever actually bring it there? Hmm. I mean, my only question would be is where would you put it? Would you extend it? Because they have, they have the money to extend the parks and everything. Yeah, I mean, you... if they would have to extend it. Right. Yeah, I, I would very much like a Zootopia to come to uh, Disney World for sure. I'm just trying to think where you would place it at. Uh, you wouldn't replace Dino Land. There's no way. No, they'd build onto the park. Okay. I would have to think they'd have to build more acreage onto the park. Okay. And do you think they would use a similar rides and restaurants, or would they add a little twist to it to kind of give it where exclusively only if you want to do Zootopia at Tokyo, you get these things, but if you were to go to Disney World, you get these things? I think it would be, the base would be the same, but a few things would be different. Okay. Yeah, I would like it. I mean, I don't see an issue with it. I would add, I mean, there we got Judy Hopp and... Everyone kind of sort of there roam around that Magic Kingdom a little bit for certain special occasions for meet and greets yeah. and stuff. Maybe I'm just saying this because I know it's unlikely I'll ever get to go to Tokyo Disney and I just want to be able to experience it. So my hopes are high that they will bring it to Disney World. Yeah. Well, you never know. Maybe the, maybe they will send us an invite to come check it out and give a rating on it and review. Hint, hint, Disney. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, speaking of uh, theme parks, going right into Disneyland, California. Before you get into this, I, I, we just got to say, there's a lot of news today. Oh, yeah. There was, we, at first at the beginning of the week, we were trying to figure out what to talk about and discuss. But the last two days before the podcast, everything kind of hit us by storm, really. And, and we are going to uh, have a fun little segment at the end. We're going to go over our top five list each. Our top five list for what are our favorite 
classic style animated Disney film. So you can look forward to that here at the end of the podcast. But continuing with the news, what else you got? All right. So at Disneyland, California, uh, they have announced that it's going to be a COVID-19 vaccination site to where the public can come in and get vaccinated uh, and get, you know, their vaccine shots. Yeah. Now, I brought this to your attention uh, last night, I believe, or a few days ago, because this will be coming out uh, in a couple days time. Yeah. But the day before we actually filmed the podcast, I brought this to your attention and it 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 shocked me, but it didn't shock me when I read it. Because if I if correct me if I'm wrong, I believe Disneyland is still it's not open right now. No, it's been closed. It's been closed for exactly 287 days. Yeah, which is crazy. So yeah. I guess you know if it's not open, I mean that's a lot of land there that they can do something with. I guess if you want to make it a vaccination site and try to help people, um, we don't live in California, so we will not be able to go there. But for anybody that does, let us know if they give you a free pair of Mickey ears. I sure hope so. I'd, I'd, that kind of you know sell me in to go do it. And, th- yeah. and that's the fact that I feel like it's a way to kind of get everyone to start taking the test just to like say, hey, although you can't visit Disneyland technically uh, like you normally could, you could still come in, get your shot and kind of look around as a reminder uh now, I'm guessing the vaccine, it would be like in the parking lot, though. I don't think it'll actually be in the park. No, yeah, I would I'd assume so, too. I would assume that it's like it, they're going to turn one of the parking lots into a vaccination site. Yeah, but still, like, to me, it'd be nice. To, you know, they've obviously closed down the entire perimeter of it in the parking lot to where the gates will now be open to where you can enter the parking lot and at least see the outside of Disneyland. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. What's your take on that? Do you feel confident about it, or do you think it's an odd situation to kind of place it there. I mean, without getting too into the political aspect of it, I I think that, um, I think it's a good area to do it. I think if you're not using the park and people are familiar with Disney land in that area, the people around there feel comfortable with it. If they can add some sort of aspect of it, with Disney, maybe, like I said, give you some free Mickey ears, maybe have a couple of the characters running around to make people more at ease with getting the vaccination. I true. think it's a good idea. Yeah, very true. Like, if I had to get the vaccination and one of my options was Disneyland, that's probably where I'd pick. Yeah, you got a good point there. Going into our next theme park, my personal favorite theme park, Disney World itself in Orlando, Florida. All-Star Movies is planning to reopening February 9th. So taking you all back, they announced that all value resorts at Disney World from All-Star Movies to All-Star Music to All-Star Sports uh, will be shut down for the remainder of 2020 and throughout all of 2021. Disney World posted an update saying one of these resorts will be reopening to February 9th to the public, and that will be All-Star Movies. I can confirm I did call Disney World itself and shout to uh, Casey. She's very nice when uh, speaking with me, and she stated that, yes, that is correct. All-Star Movies, uh, you can book your resort stay starting February 9th. Now, have you ever stayed at All-Star Movies? I have. I have not. Is it nice? I'm guessing it is. I mean, everything at Disney is nice. 
Yeah, I've had the pleasure of staying at both All Star Music and All Star Movies. All Star Music is obviously the title itself is you know acknowledgeable. It's about music and everything. But my personal favorite is All Star Movies. Uh, they have a Toy Story area, Lady and the Tramp area, Mighty Ducks area, still uh, up around that area. And I'm very happy they've decided to allow All Star Movies to reopen because it is the more popular resort. I've heard from a lot of other people who have stayed at Valley Resorts that that is the one place. To stay is all-star movies. I will have to check it out one of the next times I get to go. Well, you may. You may for the 50th. We, we are currently staying at Pop Century, and I could always just switch us over to all-star movies, but that's on you because you never stayed at any really Disney resort, so I want this to be a you experience. Well, so. I guess go ahead and just reveal to the world that we will be there at the 50th anniversary of Walt Disney World. We are currently planned on going to Disney this coming fall for the 50th, if the world allows us to go, that is, and everything doesn't get flushed down the toilet. But we are very hopeful that we will get to make that trip, and hopefully a lot of you will get to make that trip, and we will see you there. Yeah. And but me, go ahead. But that's in the fall, so mm -hmm. we still got a little bit of time before we get there. Right. And let me just say, I don't really think it was a spoiler knowing us big diehard Disney fans. Like, would we miss the opportunity of experiencing the 50th anniversary? Because I know you are ready to see what is in that time capsule. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> I could talk about an hour on the time capsule alone. Correct. There's um. There's so many ideas and so many options of what could be in that time capsule. For those that don't know, there is there is a time capsule that has been uh, buried in Walt Disney World, I believe in front of the castle, correct? Yes. And it's been down there for 50 years. Um, nobody, at least none of the public, knows what's in it. Nope. And they are going to be digging up the time capsule, opening it, and revealing to the world what is in that time capsule. Uh, I'm so excited to see what's in it. I've got my ideas. Maybe we'll have an entire podcast where we can throw some ideas out there and give our opinions on what's in that capsule, maybe as we get closer to the 50th itself. Yeah, I'd like that very much. Going back into Disney World Park updates, Tron Ride. So there's a worker's halt currently. Tron was originally to be opening up in 2021, right before the 50th anniversary to kind of get this as the biggest thing opening at Magic Kingdom for the 50th anniversary. There is a worker's halt currently to where we may be lucky to just get it in 2022. Peyton, what are your thoughts on this decision? Yeah, you know, I heard that they stopped building it and I immediately got really disappointed because I was excited to be able to experience it at the 50th when we're there. I think that was going to be one of the big things that people were going to celebrate the 50th with, with was this new Tron ride. I think it was a roller coaster, Yep. if I'm correct, which yep. would have been awesome for anybody that has seen Tron. I can only imagine how cool of a roller coaster it would have been. Oh my God, yeah. It's like a you're really on a, a, a Tron cycle and the only thing that's keeping you on the cycle is the back part. Kind of like a uh, if you have all have ever ridden uh, flight of passage at animal kingdom kind of like those type of cycles and you're it's an outdoor and indoor track yeah so it would have been you know iconic and super amazing the only thing that's weird is uh, when we were talking about it earlier the reason they stopped building it 
I, I, I can't, I don't really understand why they stopped. They, they have all the pieces, apparently. Correct. But they're just refusing to finish it. Right, yeah. Like, I, I watched a little bit of uh, Mickey Views, uh, shout out to Mickey Views as well, and they kind of said, to give it a prime example, it's like building, a, you, you buy a Lego set, it's already bought, you're starting to build it, you've got 1,500 pieces built, you got the last 300 pieces on the table, and you just go, eh, I don't want to finish it. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand. Is it they don't want to pay the workers? Or I, I'm confused on why they don't want to finish the ride, especially for the 50th anniversary of Disney. I feel like that would be one of the main things that you would focus on getting done for the 50th. Because we all know when the 50th anniversary hits, it's going to be massive. Yes. So, you know, I, they don't... I, and I'm pretty positive that... Disney is not, I mean, we know that they've lost some money over the pandemic and the shutdown, mm -hmm. but they're not hurting for money that badly that they can't finish a ride that they already have the infrastructure built for. Yeah, correct. And knowing Disney, they're not just going to allow it to kind of look, show the skeleton of the ride itself. They did say that they're going to have the outdoor building built and complete for show, but the, in, you know, the ride itself is not going to be complete. And it just confuses me because... They started this way before Ratatouille at Epcot, and they got Ratatouille up and running. It's ready to go. It's just sitting there now. Yeah, now Ratatouille will be open. Yes, it for will the be 50th. open. Yes. So we will at least be getting that as a new attraction this year, but that's for Epcot, mm -hmm. you know, and Epcot is under some massive renovations. We've already talked about that a few times in the latest episodes, but Tron was, was going to be in Magic Kingdom. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was it was going to be right over there by Space Mountain, if I'm correct. Yes, you are correct. Yeah, that's where Tron is currently at at the moment. And speaking of refurbishments, I just got another update uh, that the front of uh, Magic Kingdom itself, uh, the clock tower, is actually, they're going under renovations on that, fixing it up, polishing it for the 50th anniversary as well. That'll be nice. Yes. Um, Magic Kingdom, I mean, it. you know, I feel like Magic Kingdom is always kind of under renovation, mm, constantly yeah. changing. True. But, um any of those old antique looking things if the, and it, whenever they can get upgraded a little bit that's always nice and i'm excited to see what all they do for the 50th i mean i we've seen the logo and you and i have had our discussion um off podcast but we'll go ahead and do it right here on podcast um we weren't the biggest fan of the 50th anniversary logo i thought it could have been better yeah. It just was a little odd looking to me. It didn't look like something that the Walt Disney Company would have created. It looked like a fan art. A little bit, yeah. It, to me, I took it as more like corporate looking. Yeah. I mean, I liked the, the, the gold and the rose gold and everything in it, but the way the 50th was done on there, I remember us having a conversation looking at it and, I, and being like, well is that even a five or is that like a half of a Mickey head or what, mm -hmm. what's going on there? And if you don't know, go look up the 50th anniversary Disney logo and you'll see what I'm talking about. It's just kind of an odd logo. I mean, it, it still looks nice. It just is not the logo that I think I would have created for something as big as the 50th, the 50th anniversary for Disneyland was a lot better looking, I think, than the 50th for Disney World. Well, yeah, even the, honestly, the 65th and the 70th anniversary of Disneyland's logos were a lot better looking than Disney World's 50th, so maybe they'll update it and fix it up a bit before the 50th, or they're just trying to do simplicity. I'm not really sure. 
Yeah, it'll be interesting to see because we still got almost a year. Yeah. So, I mean, there's still a lot of things that could happen and change before we get to the 50th. Right, yeah, for sure. Another news update, uh, Disney World's Magical Express services will be discontinued in 2022. For some time, Disney World Resort guests have used the Disney World Magical Express to travel to and from the airport. Soon, this option will no longer be available to guests. Here's what we know. Starting January 1st, 2022, Disney World will be discontinuing the Magical Express airport transportation services. Currently, this shuttle service as a transportation between Orlando International Airport and Disney World. An exclusive Disney statement notes, as consumer needs and preferences change, we will no longer offer Disney's Magical Express services starting with arrivals in 2022. At the same time, we're also introducing new ways for guests to enjoy their visits, including early theme park entry for Disney Resort Hotel guests. Now, with that being said, a lot of people are uh, that I've known are very upset with this due to the fact that they can no longer take this Magical Express bus to and from uh, the airport into the theme parks or resorts. But however, keep in mind, Disney has made a deal with uh, a train company that the train will take them to and from airport to uh, the resorts as well. Well, really, Disney Springs is the location to and from. So Disney's going to have their own train running in 2022. And I think that might be a reasoning why they're going to uh, kind of close off their deals with other bus companies and primarily focus on their own transportation services. Yeah. Now, did, did you catch that's why my intro included me saying I was the Magical Express driver? I did catch that. I bit my tongue a little bit on it. But yeah, I did catch that. I was very clever. Yeah. 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 I am a very clever individual. So I'm glad that you caught that. I know our viewers caught it because our viewers are insanely intelligent. What is with you today? Why am I why am I getting picked on? I didn't nobody's nobody's picking on you. <sighs> okay. All right. Don't play dumb with me. Where's All that right, from? Terry. <laughs> okay. So no, the Magical Express thing, um, <laughs> The Magical Express thing is 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 interesting. I do agree with you, though. I think that it is because of the new train system Yeah, that they're building. I don't know if the, the thing about the train, though, is the train is going to be more limited than buses. I mean, the buses could take you to any park, you know, the resorts. I mean, there's a bunch of ways you could do it. A train yeah. is going to be, you know, one way or the other. Yeah, and I kind of get uh, why people are a little bit upset with it, too, is because whenever you did book a flight through Delta or any other services and they knew you were going to Disney World, your luggages would be taken care of. The arrival of, you know, your destination to and from, your luggages would be in your hotel, but now you're going to have to cater to your own luggage, put it on board of the train, take it off the train at Disney Springs, board it with you on a bus that takes you from Disney Springs to your located resort. And I get a lot of people are just, you know, comfortable with the fact that all you have to worry about is get on the plane, get on the shuttle bus, the shuttle bus will take you to another bus, and that bus will take you to your resort. And guess what? Your luggage is right there in your uh, hotel. So that will discontinue. Yeah, and you know that... I've never done the Magical Express, mm -hmm. personally. I've always just driven into the parks myself. But I understand why a lot of people would be disappointed in it leaving, because a lot of people do use the Magical Express buses to get from park to park, or the resorts, or Disney Springs, and so forth. Yeah, and that now that I start to think about it, it is kind of frustrating if you have a big family. If you have a family of eight or ten, that's a lot of luggage you have to bring onto onto the train and board with. So is that going to limit capacity as well on the train? Because there's so much luggage where it's going to be like, hey, 
you kind of have to wait because we got a lot of luggage and families on this board. So we'll come back and get you. Or is there going to be multiple trains transporting? I would have to guess that there's going to be more than one train. Okay. I I think it would be insanity to have only one train. I mean, as many people come in and out of Disney as we know that they do, I don't think one train would be getting the job done. Right. Especially, now maybe during this time it would, but when Disney is back to full capacity Mm -hmm. and the world kind of goes back to some normality, there's no way one train is going to be able to get it done. Yeah. And speaking in that, when I was uh, addressing the situations, I did state that Disney said they're going to do early access. That's for if you're staying at a resort, you will get a 30-minute access uh, to the parks before anyone else. And they did announce, uh, starting from January to mid-March, their hours will no longer do extra magic hours. I was just about to bring that up because I know you were highly almost angered at this when you brought it to my attention yeah i it's very disappointing to me that you know they're taking away extra magic hours so typically the hours for example magic kingdom magic kingdom will be open from 9 a.m and they'll close at 10 p.m fireworks are at 8 15 the parks right now are closing at 6 p.m so i won't be able to see uh fireworks when i go for my birthday we'll dive into that a little bit We'll just dive into it now. You've already said it. Yeah, true. Yeah. So uh, for my 25th anniversary, my own, you know, my own little anniversary, uh, I'm going to celebrate none other than the best place to celebrate a birthday, uh, Magic Kingdom at Disney World. I will not be there because one of us has to stay behind to make sure that this podcast keeps running. So while I work, Dion will get to go and spend the day and the week at Disney. I was going to bring you And maybe... Maybe he'll get to call in for one of the next couple episodes and you can talk to our fans Mm -hmm. from Disney itself. Yeah, see, so technically I will be working as well. In a roundabout (laughs) way. Okay, so anywho, yes, so back to what I was talking about. Uh, Extra magic hours would go till, you could stay at the park till one in the morning at Magic Kingdom, but now they're halting all that. And their new idea is, hey, we got something better for you. It's you can get 30 minute early access to a park. And to me, that's a downgrade. And I was very furious with it. I was till Peyton kind of eased my mind and said, maybe this is just a temporary thing because it's the slow season. COVID's going on. But hey, once this all sorts of dies down, they'll bring it all back. And that kind of relieved me a little bit. Yeah, I, I don't see this being permanent. I don't. Okay. I, so I don't think it's something to worry about too much. I think it has to do with it being the slow season. We are in the back end of a pandemic that we don't really know where it's going to go from there. And I think Disney is debating on, well, we're not at full capacity we're barely at what 50% capacity, 25% capacity. Uh yes, they're at 55%. So you 55% and a lot of those customers and and fans and people going into the parks probably are not going to be staying till 1 in the morning, you know. Mm-hmm. So the magic hours right now I think are more of a burden than a necessity if you're looking at it from a business standpoint, but I, I really do believe that once things go back to normal, that uh, the magic hours will probably come back in full force. Yeah, I have to agree with you. So uh, that did relieve me. So thank you for uh, clarifying that and easing my nerves. Now that's not confirmed, 
that's just my hunch on what I think is going to happen. Well, now I'm back to being a little nervous now, but it's but okay. usually I'm right. So I can confirm he, 10 times out of 10, he is right. Thank you. Yes, you're welcome. Okay, so diving into some Marvel news updates. I love hearing your opinion on this. Deadpool 3 is confirmed. Not only is it confirmed, folks, but it is confirmed that it will be in the MCU. And yes, it will be rated R. Peyton, what is your take? See, now this is interesting to me. I don't I don't really have I don't know how to feel about this. I'm very interested to see how they'll pull it off. I don't know if I like it yet or not, though. I love that Deadpool will be in the MCU. I love that Ryan Reynolds will keep playing him. I think that Deadpool will be able to mesh with characters in the MCU like Spider-Man and so Mm -hmm. forth very greatly. I don't know if I like the idea that it's staying rated R. Not that I don't think the rated R Deadpool movies are not good. They're fantastic. But... The MCU is not rated R. So to have a movie in the same universe where someone is chopping off limbs and blood and stuff and cussing and all kinds of crazy things happening Mm -hmm. and for people to believe that that is in the same universe as a guy that tells Iron Man not to cuss is a little... A little much for me. I don't know if I if I'm fully into that. Um, unless you do something where Deadpool breaks the fourth wall and like lets people know that, you know, oh well, I'm I'm in an Avengers movie now, so I I have to keep my my vocals to a very limited, you know, wording possibility. I can't say certain things. I think that could be funny. I just don't know how it will work in the MCU. Yeah, no, I get you. You definitely can't say certain things like language. Whoa, gosh darn it! Watch your language. <laughs> but it's true though, you know. Like it, it is true. I mean, I know it's true, but we got kids <laughs> listening here. <laughs> Anywho, I'm okay with it being rated R because this gives me excitement to know if they're gonna go with this. Then this is simply just stating that Deadpool's gonna be rated R in his standalone films, and maybe when he intertwines with other MCU movies. It won't be rated R. I'm pretty positive. It's just his movies alone. And the reason why I'm excited for it and I'm okay with it is because of Blade that's soon to come out. And I really think Blade needs to be rated R. I don't want them to do an overabundance of rated R films. I think it needs to stick to a very limited number of movies if they decide to do it. Because it's going to start feeling like these movies don't belong in the same universe. And that was my problem with the Netflix shows like Daredevil and The Punisher and Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, and etc. Is at the beginning, they wanted you to believe that these shows were connected to the MCU, but the problem was they were so dark and they were so gritty and they felt so different that people just started believing, well, these don't feel like they're in the same universe. And I was one of those people, so eventually they just completely separated them and they're like, no, these are not connected in any way, shape, or form. I okay. don't want that to happen with the movies themselves. Okay, yeah. I could, uh, Now I understand where you're coming from because it does make sense. Because like, I've seen Punisher and I don't think you could really mix Punisher with someone like Tom Holland as Spider-Man because you're kind of downing what he's capable of doing. Well, not only that, just the way that it was filmed and the way it... 
the, how dark it was. It just doesn't feel like it's in the same universe. Yeah. But now it makes me curious because they did confirm that the actress who plays Jessica Jones in the Netflix series, she is going to appear a couple times in She-Hulk. Was that confirmed? That was confirmed. Yeah, that was confirmed about a week ago. I didn't I didn't see that if that was confirmed. Um, if that's the case, then that's interesting. But Jessica Jones isn't, you know, she's not like a Daredevil or Punisher. So it makes sense if she was able to kind of yeah. squeeze in there. I mean, it would be interesting if they were able to pull that off. And I know there's also rumors of Daredevil possibly being in the Spider-Man film coming out and maybe even in She-Hulk himself as he too, Matt Murdock, is a lawyer. Correct, yep. So uh, many, many cameo possibilities. But back to Deadpool, I think I'm excited to see Deadpool in the MCU I'm curious to see how it looks when they pull it off, though. Going into our next segment of Marvel is one I've been anticipating for on Disney Plus is the new series, WandaVision. It is premiering on Disney Plus this Friday. Technically today for everyone listening to it because this airs on Friday. So while you're listening to this podcast, you can be tuning up your Disney Plus account to watch the first two episodes of WandaVision. It was confirmed that the series will start with a double dose of MCU action. Uh, The first two episodes premiere on the same day, January 15th for WandaVision. Nine episodes total, though. So it's gonna, we're going to have nine episodes total. The first two episodes come out on the same day. And I believe Kevin Feige said that each episode is going to be around 30 minutes. Okay. Yeah, when they announced that they're going to do two episodes, I did think for a minute, they're not going to do it every week, are they? So this is just a kind of like a premiere. Like, we're going to give you two episodes to start off with. But each end of the week, we'll give you one episode, kind of like the Mandalorian series, right? Yeah, no, we're only getting two episodes to kick off the series. Um, so that way there's going to be one gap week between the end of WandaVision and the beginning of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Because if, if you actually had the nine episodes come out one episode a week, each week, there would be no gap in between WandaVision and Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And I don't think they want to do that. I think they want at least one rest week to continue hyping the end of a series before jumping into another one. And... We haven't had any Marvel MCU content since July 2019, so I think they want to give the fans what they feel is deserved, and that is at least an hour's worth of MCU content. Correct. So let's dive into it a little bit. We haven't seen it yet, uh, but we will for sure discuss it on our next episode. So I'm going to go off on my prediction real quick on WandaVision, what I think it's going to be about. I think with to resolve everyone's confusion, because it takes place in a lot of different eras, I think it's Wanda trying to cope with Vision's death, and she's watching all these sitcoms, all these rom-coms, dramas, and everything, uh, to where she's making her own alternate reality of vision and her lifestyle what it could have been having kids what it could have been being you know a happily married couple a sitcom family and stuff like that to where she makes all these alternate universes 
to where it gets out of hand and now we don't know what's reality and what's her version of reality because this i believe this is supposed to tie in with dr strange uh, multiverse and the madness correct yeah no um wanda has been confirmed to be in dr strange in the multiverse of madness so this okay. this will directly tie into the dr strange sequel so you have to watch the series then and this is pretty much what kevin feige wanted to do with any of his tv series on disney plus is you have to watch them because they are going to tie in directly into feature films as well yeah marvel is finally doing what star wars has been doing and that is making sure that you watch both the tv shows and the movies and if you don't well that's that's on you right if you don't get what's happening that's not on their fault that's not on their heads that's on your head you know it's up mm -hmm. to you to take the time to watch the shows so you are completely caught up so that way if something happens in the movies you know what's going on okay gotcha so with that being said that's my take i think she just can't cope with Vision and his death. She makes all these alternate realities and universes to where it gets out of hand. And the only way to fix it is Doctor Strange has to come in and get through all these multiverse of madness of Wanda's, not delusions, but just ideas of what So you be. think that this is going to be a direct prologue to Doctor Strange and that the whole Doctor Strange movie will revolve around Wanda as well? I think the first like 10 minutes it may in the film, like the first 10 minutes, they kind of get that out the way, but then there's a, there's a bigger picture going on here. This is just a simple, like a kind of like a butterfly effect type deal. Just something small that creates a huge domino effect to where something bigger is going on that they have to take on. Gotcha. So, you, so you're saying that you think that Wanda creates this world. Mm -hmm. Worlds. But how does that relate to the multiverse? So Because if, I mean, unless they, they change it up, but I, I mean, if you know anything about Wanda in the comics, up, her magic I don't think would be able to create a multiverse unless mm -hmm. I'm mistaken. Or is she using her magic to pull people from multiverses that's what i'm thinking. and throw them into her own little world that she's created and these people that she's pulled mm -hmm. from these other multiverses don't know what's happening yeah that's that's what i'm thinking like it's all kind of not in her head but she thinks it's just all in her head but really she's creating a 80 sitcom like that that's an actual universe you just created you've taken people out of these to create this there's another one where there's a you know 1920s film that you watch into the black and white classic films you know that you've taken people out of this alternate universe to put it in your own universe so now we have to take these people put them all back because right now not only is there glitching because we did see some glitches kind of you know what i mean like in the trailers so my guess is not only does these universe glitches but her current universe there's certain like things that are going off and glitching as well to where dr strange has to come in and kind of put the pieces back together. See, I don't think we're going to see Doctor Strange in this series. Really? I don't. I think I think you're going to get a resolution at the end of this show. Doctor Strange will catch wind of it in his movie and maybe bring in Wanda. I don't think this is going to end on a cliffhanger and then it's like, oh, well, if you want to see what happens to Wanda, go watch Doctor Strange. I don't think that's going to happen. I think you're going to get a resolution to the WandaVision story in WandaVision. Okay. Um... Because I just, I feel like that would be odd to make people wait 
till the Doctor Strange movie to get an ending to WandaVision. I think there's going to be some threads that are left dangling there for people to hold on to going into Doctor Strange, but I don't think it'll be more than that. I don't I don't see Doctor Strange being in WandaVision. Okay, is Doctor Strange supposed to come out in 2022, correct? I think so, yes. I see that's my thing. I don't see an issue on making them wait on a cliffhanger to see what happens with WandaVision in a whole year because they did that with us with Infinity War and Endgame. Like when Infinity War in, you have to wait a whole year to see what happens next. And I feel like they could do that with WandaVision. True, but Infinity War and Endgame were supposed to be like a double feature, a double thing. Gotcha. You know, so. This is supposed to be two completely different brands under the same umbrella that tie into one one another. Because, I mean, if you remember back, Infinity War was originally going to be Infinity War Part 1 and Infinity War Part 2. Yep. And then they switched it to Endgame. Okay. So those movies were always meant to be like that. Gotcha. Anywho, with that being all said, WandaVision does premiere Friday, January 15th. So we would have already seen it. We typically stay up and watch it at three in the morning when it releases. So we would have already have seen it. We hope you all enjoy it. I'm looking forward to it. I know Peyton, you're looking forward to it. What is the one thing that you feel is going to capture us as audiences? They're releasing two episodes. So there's gotta be a reason behind it why they want us to give us two. Is it because that the first one, we're gonna demand a second one right after to see what's next? It's either that or I'm worried that they know the first episode is not going to grab people's attention enough. Possibly confuse people. So they need to give us two. Because you got to remember, this show was never meant to be the show that brought the MCU back after a year and a half absence. So now it is that show that's going to bring the MCU back after a year and a half absence. And do they know that the first episode of this thing is not big enough or intriguing enough to be the hook that hooks people back into the Marvel universe. So they're like, well, we got to give them at least two episodes to somewhat have people excited. Yeah. Well, I guess we're going to have to find out Friday in our next episode of what we've took from it and what has been expected. And if it reaches our expectations, so let's put the news to rest. Let's have some fun, Peyton. Well, Hall, I got fun? I got a little bit of news. Oh, okay, go for it. I got a little bit of news under the Star Wars umbrella. As you know, that is my forte. Correct, yep. Star Wars has uh, just rebranded the, the gaming area of Lucasfilm, and it is now Lucasfilm Games. Once again, it used to be LucasArts. It is now, well, LucasArts was the umbrella that the games were made of years ago. Then the last few games, when Disney bought it, it was under the EA umbrella, Battlefront, Battlefront 2, Jedi Fallen Order were all under EA. Now that has been switched. This week it was confirmed that Lucasfilm Games is the new brand that will be developing all of the Star Wars games going forward. So that is exciting. I don't know if you've played any of the more recent Star Wars games like Battlefront or Jedi Fallen Order fantastic games i i absolutely loved them the stories were amazing the gameplay was amazing so i'm really excited to see what the future holds for lucasfilm games because you know with an announcement like that and them 
showing us the logo and hey this is the new gaming umbrella for lucasfilm and star wars they've got to have some projects already in the works i would assume so i'm curious to know what kind of projects they have because battlefront was fantastic it remains to be my favorite star wars game to this day so i am looking forward to that i did not know that that's awesome that's interesting that ea is no longer you know running the show now i don't know i don't know if ea is completely done Okay. Or if EA is still somewhat involved, but the majority of the development is under a new brand. Okay. Um, I, I didn't I didn't get that intel, but from what I know, if I was guessing, I would say that the development is now fully under Lucasfilm Games. Gotcha. Okay. So now, are you ready to have some fun? Get a little knowledge? Let them know what... You know, a little bit about ourselves and what we find to be our favorites. The top five Disney animated classics. Now, there's going to be two lists here. Uh, There's going to be my list, Mm -hmm. the better list, and then there's going to be Dion's list. You're on one today, aren't you? So, I mean, I'm just speaking truth. All right. Well, we'll let the viewers decide who's got the better list and more uh, reasonable understanding and true list now the rules here this is strictly disney classic animation style movies so any 3d animation or pixar or live action is off the table this has got to be strictly disney classic animation so who's going first me or you i think we should start from number five okay and work our way down. You say your fifth, then I'll say mine, and and we'll go up. Okay. And then we'll eventually get to one, and we'll discuss each reveal as we go. Now, before we get into this, uh, we came up with the idea, and I would really love all of you out there, the listeners, to come up with your list. Make your top five Disney animated classic movie list from five to one. What are the ones that hit you the most? What are the ones that pull at your heartstrings the most? What are the ones that mean the most to you? Create your list. Send them to us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Tag us in the posts. Uh, hashtag Imagine That Podcast. Or you can just flat DM us. Imagine underscore podcast. Imagine underscore that podcast. Imagine that podcast on Facebook. Whatever you want to do, get us your top five list, and maybe we'll read them off on the next episode. So you want to start from fifth to the number one. Do we want to do our honorable mentions first before we begin or save that for last? We will say our honorable mention before we give our number one pick. Sounds good to me. So for me, for number five, I've got Mulan. Okay, now that that's... I, Mulan was close for me. Really? It was close when I was coming up with my list. I do love the movie Mulan. It didn't make the cut. Okay. Spoiler alert. It didn't make the cut uh, it, on my list, but it was close. But Mulan is a classic. I love Mulan. I love all the songs, make a man out of you, um, just everything from it. Uh, Eddie Murphy was hilarious in it mm-hmm. as Mushu. Uh, dishonored dishonor on you dishonoring your family dishonoring your cat it's just hilarious and uh i watched the live action finally because you said it is good i fought against it because i was demanding mushu and the classic songs and it was a great film i have to admit so you are correct yet again 
that it was a good film. And so, yeah, so for me, uh, Mulan uh, is my number fifth one because I've all, you know, princess movies. She's awesome. She's easily to re relatable to the young uh, boy audiences, you would say. And that's why she connected with me and grasped with me and really showed me that, you know, uh, it's not always the princess or damsel in distress to where a heroic male has to come and save you. She can stand her own ground. So that's why she's in my fifth. I, I really liked Mulan as a kid. Girl. Yeah, and uh, of course, Mulan played by the fantastic Ming-Na Wen, who was both Agent May on uh, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and more recently, the awesome Fennec Shand in The Mandalorian. And, and you... I, yeah, I did not know that. You did not know that until a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I didn't know it. And then you kind of, you know, you did your typical, yeah, you didn't know that? Like, you, because you know everything. I was very disappointed. I'm sorry. I didn't know. But it's fun that I know now because it's, it's more exciting. It's crazy. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, well, you, you do have a reputation as the co-host with the most knowledge to live up to. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, you... I was shocked that you didn't know that, but you know, thanks to me, you do now know yes. that Ming-Na Wen was Mulan. And if you watch the live action Mulan, Ming-Na Wen does have a cameo in that movie at towards the end. So if you haven't seen the live action Mulan, keep an eye out for Ming-Na Wen towards the ending of that movie. Yes. And you can see that film as well, streaming currently now on Disney plus. Yes. All right. So what is your fifth Peyton? Now my fifth is, uh, one that I, I don't feel like many people appreciate. Okay. Uh, number five for me is Fox and the Hound. Whoa. I, that did not even dawn on my head. Yeah. Fox and the Hound for me was one of my favorites as a kid. I loved the story. I loved the relationship between uh, Fox and Hound. I'm okay. Here's a trivia question. Do you remember the names? Yes. The Fox... Mr. Co-host with the most. Yeah, the fox is uh, Todd, and then the the Dutch Hound is uh, Copper. Correct. Okay, because I the only reason why I remember that is because back if you remember VHS tapes, they would show little snippets of scenes of Disney movies, and the one that always grabbed my heart was "You're my friend, Copper," and then the classic "You're my friend too, Todd." Oh, so good. No, the storyline and the relationship between Todd and Copper. I love that movie, um, and and it's a very, it's a very real story. You know, it's they start out best friends, they go, they end up hating each other, and then they have to try to find their way back to one another at the end. Yes, it's a it's a great story. One I don't feel is appreciated that much when you look back at the animated classics because. It is one of the best stories, I feel like, that the Disney brand ever wrote. Right. And I, I know for a fact you got to be thrilled and excited that Disney did announce they are going to do a Fox and the Hound live action movie. Yes, that will be awesome. Now, I'm, I'm curious to know, will it be Lion King Jungle Book CGI or are they going to use real life animals like they did in the Lady and the Tramp live action I would say I would go with Lady and the Tramp types because I'm pretty sure it is going to stream on Disney Plus, right? This isn't going to be a cinematic film. It's going to be as far as Disney I know, Plus. it's Disney Plus. Okay, so I would go with Lady and the Tramp. Yeah. Um, now there are certain sequences I think that could be CGI, mm -hmm. uh, like the sequence with the bear, yes, and things like that. 
Oh, you brought that to my attention. That was a pretty horrific scene as a kid. Very that. scary. It's the scary scene. I was very worried for Copper and Todd. But yes, no, very scary scene. But no, Fox and the Hound, number five on my list. So number four for me, I had to do it. My friends out there know I had to pick, put this on my list. A goofy movie. Now, I know it's not one of the classic classics, but to me, it's a classic. From Powerline, I still want to see his concert. Hopefully, when concerts come back, Powerline will be on tour, and I got to see Powerline. But no, I just love the, you know, living with my dad back then when my parents were divorced. Uh, you know, a dad trying to connect with his son, going on this adventures and everything. You know, Goofy trying to connect with Max, and they kind of, you know, at first, Max wants nothing to do with it. They kind of clash. And then Max realizes his dad's doing this because, you know, he's feels like he's losing his little boy. His little boy is growing up, Maximilian. And it's just an awesome, you know, experience watching it. I, it's one of my favorites for sure. So I had to put it in my list. And uh, don't, I know you're going to judge me, but I had, a, I had a crush on Roxanne. Well, didn't everybody? Okay, so you, okay, okay, well, I feel better now. I was worried you would be judgmental, but yes, I, 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 Roxanne was the best. Yeah, no, I mean, Roxanne was fantastic, and, okay. and, and so was Powerline. I mean, you can't, Powerline, even though it's in one scene, makes the whole movie. Yes. I mean, people remember the Goofy movie because of Powerline. Eye to Eye is an iconic song for me. And I know that you and I both have our eyes on the Powerline Funko Pop. We have for a while. We yes. Just, we haven't got our hands on it yet. Not yet. But it will happen. But you did get a recent one that makes me very jealous. And yeah, I did just get my hands on one of the brand new uh, Fantasia Mickey Mouse Funko Pops that are uh, specially designed to look like artworks. Um, and like the firework display of Fantasmic. So, so good. that is an awesome pop. But no, uh, great pick for number four. Another movie that I think is very underrated and underappreciated. Yeah, I, I like the second film as well where Max goes to college and he has to deal with his dad in college with him. That's one of my favorites too, but it just, it didn't make the cut. The first one was the better one out of the two. So I had to put the first one in my list as number four. So let me hear, what is your number four number four for me is one that i think is going to be higher up for you okay number four for me is hercules mm. hercules for me was i it was a fantastic movie i think every song is memorable um i don't really feel like a lot of people remember hercules for i mean as good as it was i think hercules again we talk about underrated underappreciated i think hercules also falls into that category yeah for a lot of people it didn't go the distance when it should have but to me it always will be so, you know yeah. i mean and and just think danny devito is phil is just i mean it's oscar worthy if you ask me i mean it's not easy to pull off a two foot tall pygmy goat man but he did it yeah and I feel like he could do it in live action, Disney. So make it happen. <laughs> and Hades is one of my favorite villains. Like, he's just so fantastic in his role. I love Hades the death. Like, Hades is one of the ones where I grew up watching. He made me laugh when I was young as a villain. Just how he'd get so spontaneously outraged. But he's like, I'm cool, I'm cool, I'm collective. 
Like, it's so, so funny. Yeah, no, Hades was hilarious back in the day. Just one of the most iconic villains. Uh, honestly, Hades is probably the most memorable part of the whole movie. I feel like when you look at the movie of Hercules, Hades is what comes to people's mind most of the time. I could, I, yeah, I can agree with you on that. I mean, Hades. it's, you know, it, uh, may, other than a couple of the songs. Yeah. And it makes you think, too. It's like, it is one of the films that the villain is the most memorable character in a Disney film, really. Yeah, well, there's a few out there. There are, yes, where for sure. The villains are just unbelievably iconic. And yeah. I think we're going to get to a couple more of those probably on oh, the list. Sure. But uh, no, number four is Hercules for me um definitely goes the distance it'll probably go a little bit further for you uh, i think i have an idea where it might land <laughs> for your list but going to number three what do you got so number three for me i'm gonna go with aladdin aladdin did it for me uh and then it's more recent would have to say the live action really helped me open my eyes to it more it was phenomenal the way will smith portrayed genie and the live action, but uh, for me, it's always going to be the animated version. Robin Williams, super iconic, made that film. And then uh, more recently, I can't, I forgive me, I can't think of his actual name, but the voice actor for Aladdin in the animated film is Steve from Full House. And when I found that out, that blew my mind. So every time I watch Full House now, I hear Aladdin. And it's just, it's hilarious to me. But yes, Aladdin for me, uh, Jafar, just creepy. And when he becomes the red genie, oh, that looks awesome. Like that scared me as a kid. Uh, you those... know what was scary for me? What? Was was Jafar's weird high-pitched laugh that he had. Ooh, yeah, the sharpening laugh. Yeah, I'm going to actually play it for you right now. <laughs> Yeah, isn't that, isn't that a little weird? I mean, because he has this deeper prince, a boo-boo, and then all of a sudden he does this laugh that's Ugh. just high-pitched, squealy, and it's it's just kind of odd. And every time I ever heard it, I'm like, man, that's that doesn't really fit him, but it no. just makes him creepy. Yeah, it definitely does. Yeah, after hearing that, I don't want to hear it again, really, Peyton, so thanks for that. I'm like, yeah have to carry on with me throughout the day now yeah no uh <laughs> aladdin though and robin williams one of the most iconic roles he ever had was was genie yes and from you know the two classic songs uh a whole new world and then also um friend like a me. friend like me oh that was so entertaining it still entertains me to this day i have it actually on my playlist on apple music so i always listen to it every now and then when i'm working it gets me going it's a fun film uh, it's one of the films I can always go back and watch and be perfectly content watching it over and over again. Agreed. Uh, Aladdin, one of the best of the best. However, my number three is one you got to go way back. Okay. I mean, it is, in my opinion, the epitome of a nostalgic classic because it's one of the first ones that they did. I am talking about none other than The Jungle Book. Whoa, okay. The Jungle Book was, it's an old one. You got to go pretty far back to, to get to the release of The Jungle Book. And it's not a long movie. It's pretty short, but 
it's very very memorable yeah i mean you the bare necessities um want to be like you uh you know trust in me there's so Uh. many great songs great characters great moments in that movie it's 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 just hard to beat it when you talk about the real original classics and then john favreau a few years ago did the live action one that just knocked it out of the park it was honestly in my opinion one of if not the best live action reimagining that they've done so far yes and what makes me happy is still to this day even though uh it is a iconic classic movie and to, like you just brought it to my attention i didn't even think of jungle book to be honest in my list uh so i apologize for that uh i should have known better but I, it still makes me think about because when you enter the theme parks of magic kingdom and also uh animal kingdom they play uh i want to be like you and it's such a catchy tune and it sticks in my head and it's one of the in my opinion top three songs of all time for me definitely and and Definitely one of the catchiest Disney songs of all time. And then, like I said, then you got The Bare Necessities, which might be just one of the most memorable songs of all time. Anybody, even if you're not a Disney fan, you know The Bare Necessities. Correct. So that uh, Jungle Book takes the spot, takes the cake for number three for me. Now we're getting down to the nitty gritty here. What is your number two? All right. So my number two may surprise some of you. Uh, for me, for number two is the Hunchback of Notre Dame. Interesting. Yes. Interesting uh, choice. I recently watched it on Disney Plus a month ago, and when I watched it when I was younger, I kind of just uh, I didn't really like get it or understand it. It was one of those movies where I watched it once and I just uh, let me put on another film or something. But watching it growing up now, uh, from the artwork to the culture of it to the music. Uh, I love it so much and I'm not joking to this day when I go to the parks and I see the castle for happily ever after and it's Quasimodo ringing the bell and then when he hits his high note tune and the fireworks light off I get goosebumps every time so when I watch that film now I just love Quasimodo and what he stands for he doesn't have much friends then you know as Esmeralda comes in a beautiful uh she's not a princess but just, you know, a beautiful character and he gets swept away with her and has to save her. I just love everything about it uh, from this film. I don't know how you feel about as my number two. Did that ever occur to you in your head of The Hunchback of Notre Dame? It didn't, but mostly because I haven't seen it enough. Okay. I've seen it probably throughout my entire life half a dozen times, which I mean, for some people is a lot, but yeah. you know, when in Disney terms, that's not a lot for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't get me wrong. I think it's a great film. Yeah. I just haven't seen it enough to where I can immediately remember back to certain parts in it to mm-hmm. where I'm like, Oh yeah. Gotcha. You know, uh, hunchback, but uh fun fact, you recently got your first ever Funko pop. Yep. And it was Quasimodo. It was Quasimodo. It was him and his, uh, the Royal Fool. Yes, the Jester yes. attire. I love it. I love that pop so much. And that's what, well, Peyton did get me hooked on Funko Pops. And once I uh, got him, he said, you have to open him. And I refused to open him. Well, we got in the car and he's like, trust me, you have to open it. And when I opened him and I analyzed him, I, I, I can't stop looking at my pop. And I did get a, uh, a recent one who happens to be my number one. We'll get into that. So I have two pops currently compared to Peyton's 
three hundred that he has. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in the triple digits. Yes. I don't know the exact number off the top of my head, but it's I will. Up there. I'll get it to you soon. I do know I'm in the triple digits. It is up there. So going back to yeah, so Hunchback is my number two. And surprisingly, when I went back and watched it, it's actually a pretty dark film for a Disney animated movie. It is, especially the villain. Yes, very dark on his beliefs, and that's one of the first ones. Is I like you know grabbed me being an adult now is uh culture and um spirit uh spiritual um just religious beliefs he's got his own religious beliefs and people are trying to fight against it because he's turning more towards a darker side of that belief of this uh forsaken town and village they're living in yeah or almost darker side or almost he's the epitome of what can happen when you let your beliefs completely take over your life yes you know when you become too obsessed with with your beliefs sometimes it can turn bad mm-hmm. and that was uh the priest i don't remember his name i can't think of it off the top of my head as well but he was a priest and i, I do remember the song that he sings hellfire which it's, is it's a good one a very dark it is gloomy tune in the disney music archives yeah it's kind of uh there's one where it's kind of depressing where he's trying to get quasi not to go to the festival and he was like you are unworthy and hunchback says i'm unworthy and then he goes you are ugly and quasi goes and i am ugly i'm like gosh man this is he's like manipulating him and it's just crazy how there are unfortunately are people out there but this is a dark film but it's a film that it connects to me well and i like it a lot yeah, and it's a, uh, again, it's a good film, and I will have to see it a couple more times to really maybe appreciate its value. One film that I do appreciate the value of, and this, I don't know, this might shock you, it might not shock you. I don't know if it's, I debated here. There were, there you know, I debated on if this should be number two, and by the time I got to it, I'm like, yeah, I think it is because I remember it so much, and that is Beauty and the Beast really beauty and the beast takes my number two spot on the top five list yes huh yeah no i i really enjoy beauty and the beast it's a fantastic film uh hence the greatest song in my opinion in it isn't uh what everyone would assume it is to me it's be our guest that's my favorite song in the of film. course what would you what would other people assume uh tale as old as time oh yeah the actual beauty and the beast theme yeah no uh with both of them they're neck and neck but in my opinion be our guest is just a little bit up there because Mm -hmm. it's be our guest is in the same as almost under the sea or uh you know i just can't wait to be king or want to be like you it's it's got the same vibe of happiness and fun and it's it's a song that I think everybody knows. I think everybody can sing along to it. Everybody loves uh, Be Our Guest. And going back, I mean, they're, they're, but that's not the only song. Like you said, uh, there is the Beauty and the Beast theme, Tale as Old as Time. Gaston has some great songs in there. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I, it's just, it's a good movie from start to finish. And it's not your typical princess movie. I don't even really consider it a princess film, to be honest with you. Yeah, uh, one of my favorite things in that film is the villain, Gaston and LeFou. Uh, I love Gaston. I love how snarky he is and he's all about himself. That's another good song I like too is 
uh gaston's uh, song that lafu sings to him in the bar and everything very uplifting to gaston uh because he's so uh bent on making bell his wife he's achieved so much and weights and eating competitions and hunting that the one thing he can't get is the woman he wants and that makes him desire her even more yeah and i remember going whenever i watched that movie i still to this day whenever um gaston attacks the castle at the end of the film and beast finally has enough and and decides he is gonna fight yes and and you see him go full-on beast mode and and stop gaston from doing damage mm-hmm. and it's like oh i'm getting goosebumps now thinking about it because yeah. it's like the hunter finally has something that he can't hunt yeah and that is this this monster this beast that really at his core is not a monster correct yeah but he can be if you push him to that limit true and i can say this should have been in my list because i have the honor to speak with and meet and get a picture with the voice actress of Belle, Paige O'Hare, on my last Disney trip. She was at Epcot. She does artwork, and her artwork is amazing. You got to check it out. And she was doing a thing where if you purchase one of her artworks, you can meet her, and she'll autograph it. And I I had the pleasure of meeting her and talking to her. She still has the iconic voice. It was kind of amazing to know that I have been able to speak to the original Belle, Pedro Hare. Uh, she's fantastic. She was a great meet and greet of celebrities I've ever met. Super nice. Gave me a big old hug. It was funny because I wasn't going to take a picture with her. And then uh, she said, oh, come on, let, let me get a picture with the Beast. And I, I just thought it was great. Uh, she's fantastic. So uh, thank you, Pedro Hare, who is the voice of Belle, the original Beauty and the Beast movie. Thank you so much. That was a great experience you uh, gave me. Very cool mm-hmm. experience. With that, I think we should move on to the honorable mention picks. Okay. The ones that were so close. I have three, by the way. That just well, that's not fair. I've only got one. Well, I need. Mean, I just. I couldn't. There's reasons to it, though. There's two of them that aren't mine honorable mentions, but I had to just kind of throw it in there real quick. All right, go ahead and you know. Okay, so cheat your way into <laughs> giving three more movies. Okay, so for me. Honorable mention is Cinderella. I grew up with uh, a mom and all sisters, and that's something we'd always watch. My mom always wanted to go to Disney World, and just that stuck with me a little bit. Is just it was the one film I could you know connect with my mom and sisters with, as we were all Disney diehard fans. So we'd always watch Cinderella. That's the reason why. Another one, an honorable mention is Lilo and Stitch. That came close because it's Lilo and Stitch. Come on now, but it didn't make the cut. So my actual honorable mention is Tarzan. Still to this day, Tarzan has one of the best, so many classic iconic songs that I love to sing and everything. It didn't make the cut for me, unfortunately. It was very close. Uh, I feel like the reason why it didn't quite make the cut is simply because uh, it's just one of those films where I'm waiting for something to be, you know, talked of of it and everything. Maybe if they come out with a live action, I would appreciate the animated more just because, you know, I kind of waved it off. But yes, that was my honorable mention is Tarzan. Well, then I guess I'll just go ahead and tell you that Tarzan is also my honorable. (laughs) Oh, is it really? It actually (laughs) is. Yes, Tarzan. 
I was debating on if Tarzan should take the place of Fox and the Hound at number five, but Fox and the Hound just edged it out a little bit. Yeah. But Tarzan is the honorable mention for me. Um, I I have loved Tarzan. So it's just because it's in the same category as like Jungle Book and, and these other ones. And I would love Disney to do a live action version yeah. of their Tarzan. I mean, there's been tons of live action Tarzans throughout time, but I would love a Disney version of it. Yeah. With, you know, Kerchak and and the oh. leopard and and all these fantastic memorable characters that we got. Um and maybe Rosie O'Donnell comes back. That'd be great. I really hope uh who plays Superman? Uh Henry Cavill? Yeah. Cavill, Cavill. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he should play uh, Clayton. Clayton, yeah. Uh, Henry Cavill would be great for Clayton. That'd be fantastic. You know, or other, in other words, Tarzan calls him because uh, you yeah. know the now, shotguns. Well, I, I just said I hope Rosie O'Donnell comes back, but what was the name of the character that she played? Oh man, you're really gonna do this to me. Uh, hold on, give me a second. I'm trying to think. Uh, what is it? What is it? What is it? Oh, you put me on the spot here. So it's Tarzan. Speaking of Tarzan, uh, my favorite, she's not a Disney princess, I guess, technically, but she's my, you know, favorite, and it's definitely Jane. I love her accent. I love how, like, she's all, like, describing the, how she ran into Tarzan and everything. So for me, uh, Jane is my favorite Disney princess, even though she's technically not a princess. She's just my favorite female character in a Disney classic film. I have the answer, and it is Turk. Turk! Yes, Turk. I don't know why that went over my head, but yes, Turk. So if they do a live-action Tarzan remake, please, Disney, bring Rosie O'Donnell to come back to Blake Turk. Yes, that'd be fantastic. I'd love for her to uh, come back and reprise her role. Just like, it's it's just it's one of those things where you have to cast her. Just like uh, my first favorite film in the top number one spot for me is... Hercules. And I of knew casting, it. <laughs> and speaking of casting, like you said, you have to cast Danny DeVito as Phil. You have to. No, it has to happen. If if Danny DeVito does not play Phil, um, I I I will be disappointed. Yeah. So I mean, he literally looks like Phil. Like I don't even know if you have to put any makeup on him. He's just there. He's just the character. Just true. put Danny DeVito in the movie <laughs> for real. Yeah. As, and he's Phil. Yeah. Maybe put some horns on his head, you know, because he is a goat. But other than that, I think he's he's pretty much already ready. Yeah, I, I'd say so as well. But yes, Hercules is my number one favorite. Uh, I have so much Hercules merch. It's unreal. I have a, I have a Hercules pop. I have a, a Hercules baseball jersey, Hercules t-shirt. I just love Herc. It's an awesome story of him going the distance. Uh, originally, he's just trying to... Be accepted as one because of his powers. Everybody looks at him differently and he doesn't. He just wants to be accepted. And that's like he ever will be accepted until he finds out that he is a god. And then his life goal is to achieve where he feels like he belongs is with his father and mother again. Uh, one of my favorite scenes is when he's talking to his father and he's, you know, his father is telling him, you know, you're not quite there yet. And Herc goes around and goes, I'm an action figure. And that still doesn't cut it. It's a hero's heart. It's what your heart does and what it's capable of doing. And you can do all these great 
you know, astronomical things and events, but it all said and done, it is with true to your heart. Uh, then Hurt runs into Meg, her snarky, sarcastic self, love Meg. Uh, and he run, you know, he starts falling for Meg and realizes maybe his life goal isn't to, uh, go up and be with his mother and father again because he has run into someone who actually accepts Hurt for who he is. And that is Meg. Because Meg also has flaws and other stuff as well. And she's kind of the same way. She just wants to be accepted as well. Yeah. And then, of course, his his terrible uncle Hades, as we mentioned earlier. Yep. Who is one of the best villains ever. I knew that that Hercules was going to go all the way the distance, go all the way to your number one pick, which leads me to my number one pick. And for anybody out there listening, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, how has this movie not been named yet? Well, don't worry. I'm about to satisfy your needs because it has to be the one and the only, in my opinion, and I think in a lot of people's opinion, the greatest movie ever produced, Disney or not, The Lion King. I can't say I am honestly I don't care what you're going to say. This is not (laughs) your time to talk. This is me talking with the loyal Lion King fan base out there. Um, It is the greatest movie ever made. It is the perfect story. It is the perfect cast. The characters are all there. The music is all there. It has Oscar-winning qualities. Literally, it has won Oscars. It is to this day the highest grossing animated classic in Disney Studios history. And it was not meant to be that. It was designed to be the ultimate underdog. When this movie was made, they thought it wasn't going to outperform Pocahontas. And man, were they wrong because not only did it crush Pocahontas, it crushed everything that the company did. It is the perfect film. Yeah, and it's what's surprising to me is they did a live action uh, version of Lion King and it was pretty close to the same, you know, design and same uh, storyline and like very, like if you watch them side by side, it's same lines, same, you know, plot and everything. And that is actually Disney's highest grossing live action film. So back to back. Like, that's crazy to me. It's because it's beloved so deeply by so many people. And, I mean, let's the, the cast. James Earl Jones as Mufasa. You know, Jeremy Irons as Scar, who, you know, I mentioned evil uncles with Hades. I don't think there is a more evil uncle yeah. than Scar. And in my opinion, you know, Scar, I think, is the best Disney villain ever created. Yeah, no, I I think that he has more depth than any other villain that Disney has ever done. I think that there's so much to that character. Yeah, with Scar, uh, just such an iconic villain. Anytime he speaks, I'm glued. Like the way he talks, the way he drags his words. And it's not even like a threatening, it's just a slow, quiet talk. And it's like, even though he talks the way, you're still kind of like got chills. Like, oh man, he's... He's up to something. He knows something like he doesn't have to be this big old scary, like, you know, a uh, villain with a deep voice. Like he's just a very like scratchy voice and just, you know, very uh, appealing to me that. Is, and I agree with you. He is one of the greatest, you know, 
if not the greatest uh, Disney villain of all time. Uh, I really like your choice in number one. I connected well with Simba, uh, Jonathan Taylor Thomas, who plays a Simba. Just that scene where his dad is just lying there after Scar did what he did. And he's telling him, Dad, get up. And when Scar has that one-on-one -on -one with Simba and tells him it's your fault, run away, Simba. And Simba's, you know, it's heartbreaking and he runs. And then the fact he goes, kill him. What? He is a child and the hyenas, oh, that is why. That is why Scar is the coldest, most yeah. calculating, cunning villain in Disney history because... If you add up the things that villains have done, I mean, you're talking about a character that murders his brother and then has no remorse in murdering his nephew either and then living out the rest of his life as king, letting everybody beloved him for it. He is, he is a cold, calculated monster. But as you and I have discussed, I don't think he was always that way. I think yeah. that at Scar's heart, he was a young, loving lion cub at one point, and we are going to have a podcast on that very soon. Yes, because I thought when they announced another Lion King live action, I'm thinking, oh, we're going to get Kovu. We're going to get this. And Peyton said, I don't really need that or want that. I want to know uh, what happens before Mufasa becomes king, what was their uh, brotherhood like with Scar and Mufasa? And then Disney announced, hey, the next Lion King live action is a prequel and I'm ready to dive into that eventually on a future episode and give our take because we're going to know what happened and what it was like for them growing up and why Scar became what he is known for yeah and of course scar is not the only part of that movie that's great you have simba you have mufasa everybody knows mufasa i mean yep. james earl jones is possibly the the greatest you know voice character voice in <laughs> history i mean mufasa darth vader i mean that yeah. says everything you need to know and then you know timon and pumbaa mm -hmm. uh, rafiki I, I don't think there's not a song in that movie that people don't just know. Yeah. I mean, there's no bad song in that movie, you know, from the circle of life, which obviously it even plays at the beginning of our intro to, uh, I just can't wait to be King to be prepared to, uh, can you feel the love tonight? Hakuna Matata. There's so many great songs and moments in that movie. It's just, it's hard to top it. Right. Yeah, I, when you mentioned Rafiki and Zazu—not uh, Zazu, but Zazu popped in my head. I'm kind of curious to know what they were like uh, with Scar and Simba growing up, because you know Rafiki and Zazu were a part of them as a child. So I wonder what uh, their you know role is with the uh, prequel, I should say, uh, with the film. I'm super excited with it. Of how Mufasa became the greatest king and how Scar just felt very differently of Mufasa and his views on Mufasa. So I'm looking forward to that. I can't wait for our discussion and you better believe I cannot wait for that film to hit theaters. Yeah. And uh, we, within the next few episodes, maybe we'll get out our 
prediction slash fantasy booking for how we want that prequel film to go. I know that both of us have so many ideas. We've talked about it before. Uh, it's a great discussion. It could take up the whole podcast in itself. It really could. And we're going to do that very, very soon. But um, I think that does it. Again, go and send us your top five lists. And I, I kind of named them off quick, but I will give you the social media accounts again. Twitter, at Imagine underscore podcast. Instagram, Imagine That underscore podcast, and then Facebook simply at Imagine That podcast. Create your top five classic lists and send them our way. And maybe, just maybe, we will uh, tell everybody your picks on the next episode. Yes, and not only that, I'm going to throw in something else to you, Peyton. I want you guys to vote who had the better list. Was it Peyton or was it my list? As well, give us your list, like Peyton said. But I'm curious to know who had a more iconic list. It was obviously the only one that had the Lion King on it. So. Well, they will be the judge of that. They will be the judge of. They will be the judge, the jury, and the executioner of that. And in the end, we all know that they will vote to crown me the king of pride rock because that's the only outcome that is possible long live the king but also i got another thing that we need to uh pay some homage to long live a brand new piece of artwork that was done that you can see on social media it is our new profile picture it is our new logo fantastic artwork done by someone that's very close to Dion. He will tell you that here in a second. Uh, the artwork is cartoon Disney animated style. Me as the Mandalorian holding precious baby Yoda, little Grogu. And you as Buzz Lightyear. Yes. I saw it. I loved it. It is a beautiful piece of artwork. Yeah, so this artwork uh, shout-out goes to my amazing sister, Mackenzie Sr. Big thank you for your artwork. You guys can uh, follow her uh, on Instagram at Mac Sr. And then also on Twitter at M underscore Sr. Love the artwork, and I look forward to uh, – Working with her on uh, future uh, artworks for us, a Halloween theme, a Christmas theme, or many more. She's a big diehard Disney fan, like all of you and us. And uh, speaking of the shout out, I am going to happily invite her to a future podcast uh, interview. And uh, she can kind of discuss her favorite Disney movies and what made her love Disney as well in the near future. So thank you again, Mackenzie. Much love to you. Uh, we appreciate your artwork and we look forward to working with you on future uh, artworks and logos. With that being said, I personally like to say thank you all for listening to this episode. I had a lot of fun with a lot of news, a lot of, uh, you know, getting to know Peyton and I a little bit more. And we look forward to getting to know you guys more and love to hear your opinions and thoughts. So I'm going to give it to Peyton. Peyton, thank you for uh, allowing me to join you today, even so. I feel like you kind of were a little bit, um, uh, you know, uh, picking on me a little bit today, but uh, I'm used to it by now. So, uh, I don't know what you're talking about. I think anybody, yeah, okay. anybody with ears listening to this podcast knows that I was 
totally fair, calm, cool, and collected, and just the greatest, you know, friend that you could ask for. So, I mean, that's just, it's undeniable. It's, it's undeniable, just like it's undeniable that The Lion King is the greatest Disney movie of all time. Mm. And maybe, just maybe, uh, within the coming weeks, we'll do some other lists. Uh, favorite Pixar films, top five Star Wars films, Marvel films, live action Disney films. You know, there's so many lists that we could give the public, give the fans, to let them know a little bit more about us and why my lists are just better. Or maybe my list will go the distance and beat your list. Yeah, well, I will put up a poll on Twitter and we will see what the people vote. You know what to vote for. Vote for me. Wow. Okay. You know what? With that being said, thank you for listening to the Imagine That podcast. Imagine that we went for an hour and a half. I didn't think we had enough content today to make it there, but we did it. We made it to an hour and a half, and uh, it was a good one. Lots of news, lots of excitement, lots of things to look forward to. From me and Dion, thank you. And now here's a quote, as always, to end Imagine That from the magical mastermind himself. I only hope that we never lose sight of one thing that was all started by a monster.